Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSR, HealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to the Truth of Us. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truth of Us. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Truth Averse. I'm your host, Brendan D. Murphy, and this week I am joined by Stephanie Seneff, who is a senior research scientist at MIT, who has been looking into the other causes of the so-called viral pandemic, what's really going on, and particularly focusing on glyphosate, if I'm not mistaken. So with that said, Stephanie's quite well known. I will let her fill in the blanks. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. So you're, if, if we can go a little bit into you're just a, a brief sort of you know rundown of your background and how you came to be interested in this kind of work, maybe. Okay, yes, sure. In fact, most of my career I was developing uh, computer spoken dialogue systems. I'm a computer scientist, so this is really quite far afield from where I started <laughs> this work that I'm doing now. Sure. And, but it was about 12 years ago that I got concerned about the autism epidemic in America. And I, I was frustrated that they, that they were not particularly interested in seeing if there were some chemicals that might be causing the autism epidemic. I felt like it must be something in the environment. And after five years of searching, it wasn't until five years of looking that I found glyphosate. And it was very serendipitous because I happened to be at a conference where Professor Don Huber gave a two-hour presentation on glyphosate. And I'm embarrassed to admit that at the time, I didn't know what glyphosate was. So and probably many of your audience don't know what it is either. So I will just say it's the active ingredient in the herbicide Roundup, which many people are familiar with, very common, most common herbicide in the world. Mm-hmm. And the United States uses more per person than any other country in the world. And the United States is also very sick. We have a terrible statistics on obesity and diabetes and heart disease and Alzheimer's and aut- autism, of course, was the one I was most interested in. And all of those diseases are going up dramatically in our country, exactly in step with the dramatic rise in the use of glyphosate on core crops. There's a perfect match statistically. Look at the trends, the time trends of, these, of the product usage against the time trends of all these diseases. And I believe it's, it's causal. And people just dismiss this evidence as saying correlation doesn't mean causation, but these are stunning correlation coefficients with near perfect match for all of these diseases. And of course, our country is in a complete crisis with respect to healthcare. They, they, politically, they just can't figure out how to, how to pay for it because so many people are sick and we need, we need so much care. We have such expensive health care services because of our pathetic situation with our health as an entire country. 
And uh, so anyway, I've come to believe that glyphosate is a primary factor in all of this, pr these problems that we're facing. And other countries also start to face the same problems once they start adopting a Western diet. And the problem is that glyphosate is all over the food supply. And that's been confirmed by groups that have been studying it. Other, not the government doesn't bother to test, but, but many organizations are testing various foods and finding high levels in foods that are very popular with children, like Oreo cookies and oatmeal and Cheerios and mm. these little goldfish crackers. All these things are, have lots of glyphosate. And it's not just there's, there's GMO Roundup Ready crops, which are sprayed throughout the season because they're resistant. They've genetically engineered these crops to be resistant. That's corn and soy and sugar beets and canola, which is a very popular oil. So many of these foods are very basic in the, in the processed food industry. Mm. And then there's also a set of crops that are sprayed right before harvest as a desiccant. They're not, it's not being used for the weeds, but it's being used actually to kill the crop, cause it to go to seed and increase the yield of the harvest and make it easier to clear the residue once you harvest the crop. Mm. And so it's, and that's a critical one because that relates to the issue of COVID-19. My, my suspicion is, is the biofuel industry. And that's where um, it gets very interesting. The biofuel industry processing the residue of the crop after you've harvested into usable fuel and then putting it into vehicles, driving on the street, trucks and buses and whatnot. And I suspect, and this has not been proven, it's just a theory, but I suspect that the, we're, it, what's happening is the glyphosate is getting out into the air in cities that are adopting biofuels and the people are breathing the glyphosate and the glyphosate is hurting their lungs in such a way that they're much more susceptible to COVID-19 because glyphosate, in my studying, I, I feel the glyphosate impairs the immune system. Mm, sure. So that's the why they can't fight off the virus. Sure. Okay. So you're looking at a, a, a toxic cause for something that we are being encouraged to believe is a viral phenomenon, but I've been skeptical of that from the beginning because I've just learned to be skeptical of whatever the establishment tells us. But, um, <laughs> but thanks yeah. to people doing work like yours, we are pulling together a lot of information that shows that what the official narrative is very far from reality. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think what, what really um, caused people to get really worried was because in certain cities, there was a very rapid rise. I think there, um, so my belief is, first of all, viruses are really fascinating. And I believe viruses are actually trying to help. They're not trying to harm you. They're not out to get you. They're trying to help you. And that's actually a very interesting story, which we could get into if we have time. Absolutely, because I can yeah. see how the virus would help you if you didn't have all the problems with the toxic chemicals. So they, they're trying to solve the problem that the chemical has caused. And then in, their, in the process of trying to solve it, because you are so poisoned by the chemicals, the, their, their plan to, uh, gets derailed because the chemicals are messing up the, the uh, enzymes that are supposed to do the job that the virus has in mind. And so you end up getting really sick because your immune system goes into overdrive and can't clear the virus. And this is all because of the toxic chemical exposures. And I'm sure it's not just glyphosate, but I think glyphosate is a key one. And it, glyphosate, I single it out because we consider it to be so safe. So there's many other toxic chemicals that we are aware are dangerous. Many of them are also used in agriculture, but glyphosate is considered wonderful because it's so, it kills all plants except those that have been engineered to resist it, yeah. but it's perfectly harmless to humans. And if you believe that, you're very naive because it's not chemicals don't work like that. Something that kills plants also kills humans. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's not reasonable that it would be completely safe for us. So I think Monsanto has pulled the wool over our eyes and unfortunately has duped the entire world population into believing that this chemical is safe. And therefore they don't 
study it. Recently, there have been a lot of papers coming out. I'm very encouraged because they're the uh, toxicologists are finally thinking maybe this stuff is toxic after all, we better take a look at it because they're not going to waste their money studying it if it's perfectly safe. So yeah. once everybody believes it's safe, nobody looks and it's insidious. It's toxicity is subtle and insidious. And that's why we, you don't see it if you just try to do a short-term experiment to see short-term damage it, because of the fact that it, I think it insinuates itself into your proteins and messes up their ability to do their job. And it's happened slowly over time. So you accumulate glyphosate in your tissues over time. And eventually you get to the point where things start breaking and people get all kinds of different re results because of their different genetics, their different genome, their different microbes in their gut. People have different, a lot of differences. And so their particular manifestation of glyphosate poisoning will be different from person to person. That's why there's so many different diseases that are affected by it. But it's a basic toxic to toxicity that gets into your system and slowly erodes your health. So it is a cumulative thing. A lot of the time we, we have this mentality in our like Western culture where firstly, we think any kind of innovation, technological or chemical or whatever is wonderful. And then we don't bother looking at what the possible long-term effects might be. And we also have this mentality of if it doesn't kill me instantly, it's safe. <laughs> I know. And of course, there's so many things going on too with epigenetic effects. And we're seeing, becoming now more and more aware that Many of these chemicals uh, affect not just the fetus, but the actual gene, the germ cells of the fetus. So this is actually the, the grandchildren of the person who's exposed. So they're finding in, in recent studies, women who are pregnant when they're exposed to these toxic chemicals, and glyphosate is one of them, that sometimes if it's a low enough level, the woman is fine, her child is fine, her child grows up and has children, they might even be not too bad. But by the time you get to the grandchildren, you start to see some serious effects. It's really quite amazing because it alters the epigenetics of the um, germline in the fetus to affect the later generations. And this has been shown with its very fascinating results that these, and it'll be things like severe genetic mutations, it'll cause gross defects in the child that, that because of very rare monster type things like conjoined twins or missing limbs, that sort of thing can happen in later generations from exposures of the grandmother, which is quite amazing to me. Yeah, that is, it's a really interesting idea that the, it's passed and it's more severe in uh, the grandchildren rather than the children. It can skip it. In fact, there was a study, there have been multiple studies now that have come out very recently on Roundup and glyphosate and looking at exposure with the, they'll study mice or rats and they'll expose the pregnant mouse or the pregnant rat over a period of time while they're pregnant. And sometimes when they're during lactation, when they're nursing, just over that period, but only expose the mother. Don't, ex don't, don't directly expose the fetus, but the fetus is getting exposed, in exposed indirectly because of the mother's exposure. And then, but low levels so that the mother's not really obviously sick. There's no problem. And then you can see as that, and then they can look at the later generations. They find trouble in the later generations, Ch uh, grandchildren of the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, that sort of thing. I guess it can last several generations. And it's a memory of, of an effect that the, that the germline was observing in utero and then caused a, a different a change in policy for the way the whole thing operates. So it's really a high-level disruption of the whole organism in terms of how it works. Yeah. And wow. So from the, the grandchildren, say, the generation that's most heavily affected, how does it play out from there as far as you're aware? It's, just, it's things like shortened gestation and smaller size, those kinds of things that are more uh, vague that you see, uh, early birth type of thing. Infertility, like the litter will be smaller, these kinds of things. But then there were these 
If in this one study, there were these way over, over the probability of having, there were three different monster births. It was like conjoined twins and missing limbs, that kind of thing that occurred in the, uh, I think it was in the grandchildren of the mice that were exposed in that study, if I'm remembering correctly. So they were seeing all these effects showing up in the grandchildren. Wow. That's not small. These are not small things that... <laughs> These right. Are, these are major effects. And, and, and fertility is a huge problem, as you probably know. Certainly in the United States, we've got massive m- numbers of people who are spending a lot of money trying to get pregnant with in vitro fertilization and things like that. Birth rates are down. Mm. Fertilization is definitely. And it's been shown that, they, that glyphosate messes up sperm, uh, decreases their motility, decreases their numbers. So you get low sperm ca- count and the sperm are defective when they're exposed to glyphosate. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very sobering. I've heard this, but okay. So we've got this generational thing going on. We've got the, the COVID-19 links to toxicity. Maybe let's just come back to that for a minute. And we've mm-hmm. got a couple of other interesting tangents we can go down, but we've been looking at this sort of pandemic, the virus, we keep hearing about it, but you're looking around the world at, at so-called COVID hotspots and you're looking at it from the point of view of toxicity. So what is the pattern that started to emerge for you? What have you learned through your research? Yes, I noticed, I immediately suspected pollution, air pollution, just because Wuhan is a pretty polluted city. And then when Italy got hit so hard in Lombardy, and Lombardy is known to be a highly polluted area of Italy, a lot of air pollution. And then when it came to New York City, and again, there was just skyrocketing. What seems to happen in places that have air pollution, but not all places that have pollution, that's what's interesting is that the virus is arriving. I think, there is a, a, I think there is a virus and it probably is a new virus and it's probably causing a new disease. But my p- opinion is that it, we wouldn't have even noticed it if not for the uh, toxicity that we're exposed to. It's the toxicity that made the virus be so uh, dangerous. And so in places where you don't have the toxicity, the virus is harmless. That's what we're seeing, in my opinion. And so New York City, when it first arrived there, and that's what terrified the United States and got us all to put our masks on, because, which I'm just completely fed up with the masks, I must say. There's like this uh, absolute, people are so fearful in this country, and it's just really sad to see. They're just mm. terrified. And of course, the, the, the government has pr- promoted that concept. And it's interesting how people can, that fear can really grab hold of you. And uh, it works, uh, unfortunately, for many people. Yeah. But the New York City situation was was very dramatic because they were on the news. They showed all these not, ICU overwhelmed and people dying because there wasn't a, vent, a ventilator for them and stuff like this. Like they were going to die because they couldn't. There wasn't enough equipment. There weren't enough rooms. It was very, very frightening that this whole thing that happened in New York City. So what it, and then, of course, when you look at mortality rates, it's just way out of line in different countries. And it's very interesting, the patterns that show up. And I zeroed in on the United States, which has a you know, very high mortality rate compared to other countries. And when you compare the United States with a place like Taiwan, Taiwan is right off the shore of, um, of China. So it should have been hit hard. It should have been hit first. And Taiwan has, to this day, it's had, I think, a total of 450 cases over the country with seven deaths seven deaths. So that's just nothing. And so Taiwan, and, and so of course the story always comes up, oh, Taiwan was so good at social distancing and at <laughs> testing and keeping all these people apart and all this stuff. They always come up with the, these explanations for why a country does so well, another country doesn't. But that just makes no sense to me that a country, Taiwan has plenty of air pollution in Taipei. I actually lived there for one year. My husband was on, sabbat- on sabbatical in Taipei and I spent several months there. The air was very polluted. I had a really hard time with it. 
in, tai, in Taipei, which is a big you know, city in Taiwan. But that air pollution doesn't seem to cause a problem. So it's interesting that the air pollution seems to be a problem only in the cities, only in certain cities. Mm-hmm. And when you look at where the air pollution is a problem, it's the places that use a lot of glyphosate and that are leaders in the biofuel industry. And that's where you get the United States and Europe, because Europe has actually been very progressive with biofuels. The whole concept is to try to reduce the consumption of pet petroleum-based fuel, which sounds like a good thing. It actually turns out it's, it's not good in terms of reducing uh, climate change, the uh, carbon dioxide uh, in the air. The whole concept is that it's going to improve that, but it actually doesn't. When you look at, when you look at it scientifically, you realize mm-hmm. that because you're removing forests to grow these crops that you're going to use for biofuel. And then you use a lot of um, energy to actually turn the crop into biofuel that releases carbon dioxide. And, and then of course, all the chemicals that you use on the bio on the crops, because we have such a chemical based agriculture approach Mm. are really bad for climate change. So it's really doesn't make any sense to use it for that purpose. And, and you lose it for the other, for the better purposes that you would use for just creating soil from decayed crops. It's really a much better natural or like manure. They use manure as well. And cow manure has become a huge problem just because we have these concentrated CAFO cows, these concentrated animal feeding operations where the cows are all being fed toxic food with lots of glyphosate and their manure becomes toxic too. So you can't actually use the cow manure as a fertilizer, which would actually be a really good fertilizer if it weren't for all of that. Mm. So we spread this poison all around. Of course, not just glyphosate. We use a lot of other chemicals on our crops as well. And even the chemical-based fertilizers are not good either. The food system is just really broken, I feel. But you look at air pollution, there have been like, the U.S. had a study out of Harvard that looked at counties across the country and found a correlation between nanoparticles, which is just a measure of air pollution, nanoparticle counts across the different counties, and the death rate from COVID-19. They found a strong correlation between those two in the United States. Mm -hmm. And then there were three different papers that showed up in various parts of Europe that also found a correlation between air pollution and uh, COVID-19. But then if you look at a country like Nigeria, I was looking at different countries around the world, and Nigeria is extremely remarkable because they have very bad air pollution. Something like 94% of the population is exposed to air pollution that's higher than the levels that the WHO considers safe. And they had the worst, the most polluted city in the world was in Nigeria in a study I found from 2015. So really bad air pollution and then incredibly good COVID-19 compared to the United States. For every one person that dies from COVID-19 in Nigeria, there are 100 that die in the U.S. It's a hundredfold. It's not a small change. 100 times as many deaths from COVID per population in the United States compared to Nigeria. Despite this heavy air pollution, despite this large uh, population of a great deal of poverty and crowding in the inner city, no social distancing, all these factors that should be sending COVID through the roof. And yet they, they don't even notice that there's anything going on different from what their normal situation is. So they can't get serious about this virus because it's just not happening to them. Mm. So it's very mysterious that a country like the United States would be so hard hit and a country like Nigeria would not. It's just very mysterious. And I think the, the key is the glyphosate messing up the immune system, making it killing the innate immune system so that when the virus comes into the lungs, the innate immune system can't clear it. And then so the, it, it's, the body brings in the adaptive immune system, which involves um, releasing all these cytokines, which causes what's called a cytokine storm. <clears throat> you get inflammation and just intense reaction to the virus. And it's actually your own immune system that ends up causing all the serious problems that occur. 
in these patients who have this intense overreaction to the virus because their innate immune system can't clear it. Okay. Interesting, interesting line of thought there. I'm just going to take us to a quick break. We've got Stephanie Sneff here joining us on Truthverse this week on Healthy Life Radio. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. Get ready to work smarter, not harder. Brendan D. Murphy's ebook, The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing, does just that and shows you the possibilities of how to maximize profit to put in your pocket. The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing shows you the ins and outs to discover how to leverage the system, tools, and automation to make passive income while you enjoy the lighter side of life. Get The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing at brendandmurphy.com pocket. That's brendandmurphy.com pocket. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended, delivered straight to your home or office, economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to you now. The Grand Delusion is the book that can prove consciousness is at the root of creation. It strips away the veil of materialism and heals the division between science and spirituality. It provides a new intelligent foundation and direction for civilization to take in the 21st century and beyond. Personally, get ready to go to your next level on multiple counts as The Grand Delusion by Brendan D. Murphy illuminates the truth so you can be part of the solution for a better, happier world. Get your copy now at brendandmurphy.com slash TGI. Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit healthylife.net's advertiser page and click on audiobooks to get started. You have options. Even if the economy is down, you can help protect yourself with multiple revenue streams to help you through these fast-changing times and beyond. If you're serious about exploring your options, then head to brendandmurphy.com future to check out the free training session. You can start adapting your future and learn to set up a fully functional affiliate marketing ad campaign step-by-step. You can learn how to use social media to make a living. So start by going to brendandmurphy.com future. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net All right, we're back on Truth Verse with Brendan D. Murphy and our special guest, uh, Stephanie Sneff. I don't know why I can't say your name today, Stephanie, but I'll get it right in the next segment. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. We are going to talk about glyphosate again. We're going to talk, you were going to hone in on something very particular there, Stephanie, so I'm going to let you take it away. Okay, sure. Yes. Of course, it, the question that comes up when you say that there's all these correlations, so all these diseases appear to be, glyphosate appears to be a causal factor in all these different diseases it immediately becomes a question of how could that possibly be true? How could one chemical cause so many different diseases is the question, of course, that I get all the time. And I, so that I was, of course, also wanting to know how could one chemical cause so many diseases. And so I looked into glyphosate's mechanisms of toxicity and looking, understanding what that molecule is and how it works. And uh, <clears throat> it turns out that glyphosate is a is an amino acid. And, and so there are an, a number of amino acids that are coding amino acids that our biology uses to make proteins. They're the building blocks of proteins. There's about 20 of them. And they are the, um, they're the famous, the, GM, the, the genetic code with the four letter code that people should know about 
that code codes for amino acids. So there's three letter, three letter sequences code for different amino acids. And you basically read off the code like a machine. It's almost just like a c- computer science really. We read off the code and you translate into the amino acids and the system knows how to do that. And so they will assemble these amino acids like beads on a string to make a protein. And then uh, the body codes for all these different proteins that do all kinds of different things in the body to make everything work properly. And the proteins are the working horses of the body, really. They're really crucial to biology. And so glycine is, a, is, an, is one of those coding amino acids. And it's, um, in fact, the smallest coding amino acid. It has no side chain, so it's very simple. And that makes it very important in many proteins. So many proteins have essential, what's called essential glycine residue, that if you change that glycine to something else through a genetic mutation, it can cause the, the person to be non-viable. So if you have a genetic mutation in an infant, some in a critical glycine residue, it can basically make them unable to survive. It, it can be that bad in certain cases. And of course, there's lots of studies about where mutations cause disease. And so you can go and research the literature and find individual examples of very special glycine residues in various proteins. The reason why I zeroed in on this idea that glyphosate actually is being mistaken as glycine and being put into the protein by mistake during the assembly process. This is the key, what I believe to be the key mechanism of toxicity of glyphosate, which is really demonic. And it's not something that never happens. If people are aware, there are several examples of toxic chemicals that work that way. They substitute for an amino acid. I don't know of any one that substitutes for glycine. So that makes glyphosate unique. But there are other examples of uh, toxins that substitute for other amino acids that cause disease in the same way of messing up the proteins. So it's not an unreasonable thing that could be going on. Monsanto absolutely denies that this is possible. So they're being very (laughs) insistent that I'm crazy and that this can't possibly be true. But when you look at the evidence for the specific protein that it is known to uh, disrupt in the plants, they've really zeroed in on this one protein, uh, which is called EPSP synthase. And it's in the Shikimate pathway, it's a very important biological pathway in plants, also in microbes, but it doesn't occur. We don't have that pathway. Our cells don't have that pathway or that enzyme, none of that. So that's why they say it's very safe for us because the enzyme that it affects is an enzyme we don't have. And it's a nice argument. You, you would really love to believe that was true. But um, one problem, of course, is that our microbes do have that enzyme and they use it to make really critical nutrients for us. And so when they get hurt by glyphosate, they're unable to keep up with the nutritional needs that we have, that we depend upon them for. So that's certainly one thing that I think is primary, that specific enzyme. But more than that, if you think that what is going on with that enzyme could go on with other enzymes as well, and then you find other enzymes that would be affected, then you can start to find out how you could explain all of these diseases. So it's a very big puzzle that you can work out by learning about the other proteins that match the pattern of the one protein that they've identified as being disrupted by glyphosate. What's so interesting is that protein has a glycine residue at the place where it binds a substrate that's called PEP. And if you change that glycine residue to alanine, which is a very minimal change, if you change the code so that's no longer glycine, you make that enzyme completely insensitive to glyphosate. This is why I believe that's what's happening because Monsanto found this out. They know that this is the case. And when they make these uh, GMOs that are resistant to glyphosate, they make them by getting rid of that glycine at that site where PEP binds. 
And so there's other proteins, there's even other proteins that bind PEP at a site where glycine is highly conserved, very specific simulation of exactly what's going on with that protein that are happening with other proteins. And those proteins would also then be affected the same way. If that's the mechanism, it would happen to the other protein as well. And then other proteins that I basically have worked out a specific, what I call glyphosate susceptibility motif in particular proteins that have exactly a very similar setup to the setup that's in that enzyme that gets disrupted. So that's how the scientific argument goes. I guess that may be a little bit hard for people to grasp because I know it's a little bit difficult, you know, biology, but <laughs> I don't know whether you're completely lost or whether this is making any sense to you. But It's making sense that it would be um, fantastic right now if we had a visual aid on the screen. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> <clears throat> but it's a really interesting line of research. So let's back up and, and recap because as you're speaking, there's a lot of, there's a lot of words, biological, techn uh, te technical terms and things being strung together. So when glyphosate, what is the, the action of glyphosate just in a nutshell in terms of the damage that it's doing in human beings and this insertional um, action that you've, you've struck upon? Yes. Yeah, so if it is doing this and I can identify uh, proteins that would be affected the same way, and then if they were affected, I can identify diseases that would occur. And then I can see the glyphosate causes those same diseases. So that really works out very nicely as far as putting the puzzle pieces together. And a good mm -hmm. example is, is liver disease. We have an epidemic in fatty liver disease in our country. And a cause of fatty liver disease, you will get fatty liver disease if a protein called PEPCK is disrupted. And PEPCK is a protein that binds uh, PEP, the same PEP that the other protein binds at a site where there's also a glycine that's highly conserved. In other words, it's exactly the same setup mm -hmm. as the setup in the enzyme that gets affected by glyphosate. So you would highly predict that PEPCK would also be affected in the same way. And if it were, it would cause the fatty liver disease. And then they've shown that when you expose, first of all, they've shown that humans with fatty liver disease, there was a study that showed that they had higher levels of glyphosate in their urine compared to humans without the disease. And the ones with more extreme cases had more glyphosate in their urine than ones with less extreme cases. So it points to glyphosate as being causal in the, in the disease circumstantially, just from the urine data. Mm. But then they did a study on rats where they exposed them to levels of glyphosate that were below regulatory limits over a period of months. And they showed that glyphosate caused fatty liver disease in those rats. So in other words, there's evidence that glyphosate causes their disease. And then if you say the mechanism that's taking place with the EPSP synthase would be exactly modeled by the same mechanism in PEPCK. So you can expect it to mess up our enzyme, which is a really important enzyme in the liver, in the same way that it's messing up the enzyme in the plants and in the microbes the same process, which is substituting for that glycine residue at that site. Does that make sense? <laughs> it is. It's, it is making sense. It's, it is a lot to take in as, at the same time. With that said, actually, you've given me a great chance to take us to a quick break, and then maybe we can come back and revisit this and perhaps recap and, and continue down whatever tangents that you would like to take us down, because I know you've got plenty to say about this, Stephanie. Ladies and gents, this is Truthiverse. We will be back after this short break. Don't go anywhere.
There's a master class in self-evolution called Evolve Yourself. It helps you become the best version of yourself and even goes beyond your expectations. Once activated, Evolve Yourself continues to guide and mold you on your path towards enlightenment. Automatically, like it's on autopilot. Imagine spiritual growth and healing as you are made aware of a simple method to trigger a massive mind-body-spirit upgrade. It's easy to begin your transformation process. Watch the free online masterclass at EvolveYourself.live. EvolveYourself.live. For the best in business class travel, count on Cheapo Air. Cheapo Air has the best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service, and easy booking online or by phone. To experience your hassle-free journey, start by going to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Cheapo Air. Looking for an online business? Well, look no further. On brendandmurphy.com, you can join the Affiliate Institute. You'll get the skill set and core tools you need to help you be a successful online entrepreneur. It's taught by some of the best people in the business like Cameron George. But what's even better, you can earn as you learn. Only the Affiliate Institute teaches you what to do and provides you amazing high-ticket offers that you can immediately sell. So start your online business today by going to brendandmurphy.com playbook. Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Have you heard about electrolyzed water? You know water is the foundation of life, and in these times you want to keep your immune system strong and robust. That's where electrolyzed water may help. It's hydrogen-rich with lots of antioxidants, so it may help you stay hydrated, maintain great health, and boost your energy, too. This technology is made by an industry-leading Japanese company that has been going strong for 45 years. Change your water, change your life at brendandmurphy.com slash Kangen, spelt K-A-N-G-E-N. You're listening to CHSR Real Radio on the web. Welcome back to Truthiverse with Brendan D. Murphy and Stephanie Sneff, our special guest this week on Healthy Life Radio. Stephanie is going to, well, she's been pulling apart the glyphosate situation here and how this is affecting us and how it connects into the COVID-19, the so-called COVID-19 epidemic, which as my listeners know, uh, if you've been following the the series so far, we've been very skeptical of this and we've been pulling it apart with guests like uh, Dr. Andy Kaufman, Dr. Robert Young, David Crow, the late David Crow was my first interviewer and, and all these people uh, have been taking their own unique experience and expertise and pulling apart the scamdemic from different angles. And we've focused, I've definitely focused a lot, um, Stephanie, on the the angle of the medical microbiological exosomes, the immune system, what's mm. going on, and the role of toxicity has come up repeatedly in this whole thing because, as you've pointed out, we've had the, the horrific air conditions of places like Lombardy and Wuhan and around the world. There are other places, obviously, where people are constantly breathing in these poisons, and cyanide was one of them that came up as well. So my point is with this is that... I don't, I don't feel like we need to even invoke uh, the virus concept. That's just my personal angle on this. And you, I liked what you said earlier at the start where the viruses in general, they're not, they've been painted as an enemy. But my understanding, learning from people who know a lot more about it than I do, is that viruses are endogenously produced. So we make them in ourselves and therefore they're not external invaders. They're not something we need to be afraid of. 
And I liked what you were saying about that, Stephanie. That's the angle we've taken so far on the show, but we're going to we're gonna hone in on the... I can do that. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, I would yeah. like you to. Please, like, mm-hmm. you, you wanted to talk microbes and bacteria, and we can go from there into that other stuff as well. Right, we can, can certainly go directly into the um, viruses because, of course, the microbiome is so important to our health, and we're starting to realize that over the last 10 years, I think because glyphosate is wrecking the microbiome, that's why we're noticing all of a sudden all the things it used to do for us that it's not doing anymore (laughs) because glyphosate is poisoning those microbes. And it's really fascinating to me. We think of pathogens as bad guys, and I think they're not. I think they're just, the microbes normally would reside in your gut and they would mostly stay there. But then when you get in trouble with the gut, they actually have to go in and help out in a bigger way to actually you know, go beyond the gut into your general circulation. And they're trying to actually repair problems that are being created by the toxic chemicals. This is what I believe. And not just the bacteria, but also the viruses. I believe viruses are, and as you say, it's a question of where, what is their origin? They're certainly around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're even agents of evolution. They're really fascinating because they're just little bits. They're hardly alive, really. They're just little bits of RNA inside a... Uh, um, a protein code with a lipid thing wrapped around a lipid envelope. They're a very simple thing and a whole lot like exosomes. And exosomes are also something that we've really become much more aware of just in the recent past. It's really fascinating biology. I've become very interested in the whole concept of exosomes. And in particular, not just exosomes, but actual sharing among the cells Mm. of materials that they pass around among each other to help each other out. And the virus, I think, is part of that whole system of, um, you think of exosomes as things that, for example, a dying cell might release a lot of exosomes before it dies to provide nutrition to the rest of the community before it disappears to not just, it's a way to be efficient about not wasting the nutrients that it has in hand to allow other cells to be able to take advantage of it. And these exosomes are really quite cool because they're little packets hiding inside a lipid envelope and they can just be shipped around in the blood and they can be put anywhere really in the body. So they're like little nutritional packets, like little pills that they're providing to the rest of the community as mm. the as the cell dying cell is giving up the ghost and then sharing with the community what it's got left. It's inheritance in a way of what it's got left after it's died. But the viruses, you know, there's a whole other aspect of this that I haven't that I'm afraid to go into because it's going to be too technical, but it does. It's really fascinating. And it has to do with how glyphosate messes things up because of these enzymes. There's many enzymes that I'm aware of a whole class of enzymes that would get messed up by glyphosate because of this problem with the glycine substitution. And those enzymes are usually responsible for making the mitochondria healthy. The mitochondria are the places in the organelles inside the cells where they produce ATP, they produce the energy for the cell and mitochondrial dysfunction is associated with all kinds of diseases. In fact, all these diseases that are going up exactly in step with glyphosate usage have been shown to have issues with the mitochondria as a component of that disease. The the mitochondria are not working properly and they spew out these reactive oxygen species, these toxic reactive uh, molecules, and they aren't able to make ATP efficiently. And Mm -hmm. so the viruses actually have a whole mechanism in mind that would restore the health of the mitochondria. And it's really fascinating what I'm learning. And this is also related to Sally Fallon's work. I don't know if Sally Fallon. Yeah, I've actually got her scheduled. Yeah, I've got her scheduled. Okay, good. Yes. Yes. And I've been reading her book about the infection myth. And she she maintains that the virus is not real and all same thing that you're saying. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine, so uh, I've right. been quite interested in her in her take on it. I think my feeling is that 
exosomes and viruses are very similar, mm. uh, but they're not identical. A virus is an exosome on steroids because the virus has this ability to reproduce. And that's a crucial difference between the virus and the normal exo exosome that it actually can go into the cell and reprogram the cell to, to spend it, to get preoccupied with making more viruses. So the virus goes in and then many viruses come out because the cell has been able to, to clone that virus using the whole machinery of just a cell uh, re reproducing and making two cells. You just make two viruses by copying that RNA and then making a, a new protein code and making an, a new lipid envelope and shipping that, that guy out. So there's a, the virus is very much more powerful than a normal exosome because it can reproduce. That's what distinguishes it, in my view, from an exosome. Where the virus came from is a big question. And of course, there's many viruses that, uh, that infect bacteria. So you have these human organisms, and then you have these individual one-celled bacteria. And then you have these little pellets of viruses that aren't even really a cell. They're just a, a container of nuclear material. It's really fascinating, these different levels of life. But that virus has this interesting set of genetic code inside it that can do really interesting things. And look at the COVID-19 virus, it gets in on the ACE2 receptor and it has, it has the enzymes that it needs to be able to do what it needs to do, which is just basically get into a sick cell, reproduce itself, and then go out and go to some other cells and, and you know continue to spread. And the virus is actually... What I've discovered in my research is that it looks like what the viruses are doing is trying to repair mm -hmm. the mitochondria that are sick. And it's really fascinating because the viruses get into the lung and, and, and cause all these things to happen, which attracts the macrophages to come in to the lungs. Those are the immune cells. And then it also brings in these stem cells, these mesenchymal stem cells that come from the bone marrow. They go in and the mesenchymal stem cells actually release their mitochondria and, and deliver them to the macrophages. So once the macrophages acquire these new healthy mitochondria from the bone marrow, they become empowered to be able to clear the viruses. So there's a whole machinery in place that the virus launches through all the signaling cascades that allows the macrophages to be repaired. Macrophages have these sick mitochondria. They can't work properly because of that. They can't clear garbage. They can't clear the viruses. But once they are empowered, by this whole mechanism that takes place in response to the virus, what ends up happening is that macrophages acquire healthy mitochondria that can then cause them to work properly and be able to clear viruses. And so it, it strengthens the immune system when you're done with a virus infection. It strengthens the immune system and allows it to maintain a healthy body much better in the future. So it actually improves your health. But the problem is when you have all those toxic chemicals, they're messing up that process as well, because that process is very intricate and complicated. And when the enzymes aren't working properly, it goes, it, it gets derailed. So it, the virus is trying to fix the problem that was created by the toxic chemical. This is what I think. Mm -hmm. But the toxic chemical actually causes the repair process to be broken as well. And that's when a person ends up dying. Yeah, it's because the toxic chemicals have messed up the whole system to the point where this solution that, the, in a sense, the virus has in mind is not going to work because of the chemicals. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a really interesting line of, of, lot of thinking and research there. I'd love to know more about that as far as reading papers and that kind of stuff goes. But what I'll do is I'll just take us into a quick break, ladies and gents. We are joined by Stephanie Seneff this week on Truthiverse. And we're on Healthy Life Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back for another segment after the break.
you can help reset and optimize your metabolism and help turn your fat into fuel. Want something that can help you do just that in just 10 days? Then you need to try the 10-Day Ketone Challenge. It may even trigger cell repair and regeneration that may help to slow down the aging process. With the 10-Day Ketone Challenge, there's no meal planning or long-term commitments. Go to brendandmurphy.com challenge and jump right in. brendandmurphy.com challenge. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. The truth and nothing but the truth, but it's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H. Truth is a new social media network that elucidates the censored information that Facebook and search engines have suppressed and don't want you to see. Created by Brendan D. Murphy, it's a platform run by truth seekers for truth seekers, a place where freedom of speech is protected as the highest value. Connect with a community of fellow truth seekers. Visit brendandmurphy.com truth. Truth can set you free. It's spelt T-R-O-O-T-H. This is Jack Maher from the band Feed the Kitty. It's important to support the artists you love, and you can do that and get something authentic for yourself. Rock.com has the most coveted, licensed merchandise of music, culture, and entertainment. So go to the advertiser page and click on Rock.com now. Get ready to work smarter, not harder. Brendan D. Murphy's ebook, The Pocket Guy, Do Affiliate Marketing, does just that and shows you the possibilities of how to maximize profit to put in your pocket. The Pocket Guy, Do Affiliate Marketing shows you the ins and outs to discover how to leverage the system, tools, and automation to make passive income while you enjoy the lighter side of life. Get The Pocket Guy, Do Affiliate Marketing at brendandmurphy.com pocket. That's brendandmurphy.com pocket. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Welcome back to Truthiverse. I'm your host, Brendan D. Murphy. Stephanie Sneff, our special guest this week on Healthy Life Radio. Stephanie, where would you like to take it? Yeah, I have been fascinated by viruses actually for many years. And one thing that I, I looked at was the flu virus. The flu virus is one that we're, we're all told to get the flu vaccine and just really uh, terrified of the flu virus. And so I actually looked into what the flu virus does. And it's very interesting because it actually infects the muscle cells and reprograms repro- them to make more flu viruses. But then it coats itself with this extracellular matrix material that provides sulfate. And sulfate is something that I've really focused on. Sulfate deficiency, I think, is a major driver behind modern diseases. And glyphosate is causing the sulfate deficiency problem. But these flu viruses load themselves up with this coat that has the sulfate in it. And then they go out and, and, and into the world, into the circulation. And then they, they feed the sulfate, essentially, to the macrophages. So the macrophages are suffering from these are the immune cells, the macrophages. Those are the guys that are supposed to clear the virus, but they're sick. They're suffering from both a sulfate deficiency in their outer membrane and uh, my dysfunctional mitochondria. And the two go together, actually, it turns out. It's very interesting. The sulfate helps to maintain healthy mitochondria. And so the flu virus is providing the immune cells with the sulfate that it stole from the, the muscle. So you get muscle aches and pains, and your muscles are really, you feel sick because of that. But the, but the flu virus is making a decision to help to uh, improve your immune system 
by stealing sulfate from the muscles and providing it to the macrophages. So that's just really interesting. And I think when you look at every single virus, you're going to find that it's helping to solve a serious problem that you have as a consequence of toxic chemical exposures. That's just a general a general philosophy that I have, that this is what the viruses are trying to do. And, but of course, uh, it's just that the virus sort of implements a very intense program to try to fix things. And in a way to fix the mitochondria, you have to shut them down. So with, the, with this COVID-19 virus, it's coming in and trying to, eventually it's trying to systemically fix the, the macrophages because they fix the mitochondria because the body's so sick. And so the virus can discover that this person is really in trouble and needs to have no stops. Just go ahead and go for broke and really try to just reboot those mitochondria as best you can. But then it can just get too intense and that's why the person dies. So it's just because the toxic, toxic, toxic load is so great that the virus's plan gets derailed. That's a message that I would say that's what's causing people to die from these viruses. In a way, the virus is um, selectively killing the people who would have died anyway shortly thereafter because they were so sick. And you're seeing that with all the comorbidities. The people who are dying are often very old and they often have all kinds of different comorbidities, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, those kinds of things. So there are people who are close to death anyway, and the virus is, is trying to fix a major problem that's going to kill them down the road. And in some cases it succeeds. And so I think there are people who are going to be better off because of what the virus has achieved in terms of repairing their mitochondria. But the ones who are, are just too sick to make it are going to get, end up uh, dying. So I think that's the way I would explain it. Okay. So it's, yeah, I, I find that to be an interesting angle um, that I haven't really seen floating around a lot. You're saying these people have, uh, they're toxic, they have mitochondrial situation going on, they're deficient. And then this, this little viral package comes in. It's trying to reboot the system. It's trying to help the mitochondria, but in doing so, it is producing a very intense experience mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. that some people are not surviving. Is that kind of the essence of? of that's exactly right. Yes, that's really the right way to say it. It's just that the body has to over overreact to the virus because the body's so sick. And when it tries to implement the plan the virus has, it, the plan gets derailed because the toxic chemicals are affecting the proteins that are supposed to do the things the virus plans to do, but they don't work because the glyphosate's in the way. So it's just like the whole repair system is also broken. And you're only talking about glyphosate. I mean, we're not even talking about all the other I know. <laughs> thousands of chemicals that we're exposed to every day. You're right. It's so many chemicals. And of course, they're also synergistically toxic. So often uh, different chemicals work together. And that's one thing with glyphosate is that it makes the, me the metals much more toxic than they would ever otherwise be. The mercury, the aluminum, the lead, and those things are going to be much more toxic in the presence of glyphosate because glyphosate disrupts the body's detoxing uh, capabilities. Okay, that's really interesting because if memory serves me correctly, I think lead arsenate was one of the culprits that was fingered as a you know potential protagonist in this sort of outbreak as something that's poisoning people. And then you're saying it's synergistically toxic with glyphosate and many other things are. So we've got this enormous sort of compounding, rapidly compounding problem. If we just created cities, say, in a, in a hypothetical scenario, like that were not so rigorously polluted, if our air quality was just better, how would you see things playing out? As I said, it's actually surprising to me that Nigeria does so well because they do have a lot of air pollution. So it's not just air pollution, it's specific things in the air pollution. And that's why I think the glyphosate factor, all those other things in the air pollution become much more toxic because of the glyphosate. Mm -hmm. 
And so it really just puts it over the top. But without the glyphosate is what I'm suspecting. That is a critical piece of the puzzle. And there are a lot of other things in the air pollution that are bad. And we know that. And in fact, um, and the biofuels are known to be worse than the regular fuel. They've done studies where they've shown that they cause more, uh, more inflammatory response and they have higher levels of the nitrogen oxides and the sulfur oxides that are part of the pollution problem. So the, the biofuels are by no means clean. They're much um, more toxic than regular diesel fuel, for example, or ethanol, I mean, the um, diesel fuel, fuel and gasoline, the biofuels are much more toxic. Mm. But the, um, the cyanide is another one. I, I think it was cyanide that uh, Zach Bush was talking about. I remember in a, in a video that I saw cyanide in the air. So there's, there are all these things that it's really unfortunate that we are not more willing to go back to really normal organic um, agriculture that does not depend on chemicals. Mm. And that includes both the fertilizers. We don't, we should be recycling the, the manure to provide the fertilizer for the crops. Yeah. But instead we have these very simple nitrate phosphate fertilizers. And actually the production of those fertilizers also produces toxic air. The phosphate fertilizer plants are very uh, polluting. Mm. And uh, so we're just, we've got things so messed up as far as how we're doing our agriculture. And if we could just start there, I think if we could go back to, sustainable, renewable, organic agriculture as a starting point, I think many things would get better. I think just that alone would be such a huge improvement over where we are today. Yeah, yeah, just the removal of those chemicals from the, whatever you call it, the life stream, the life cycle <laughs> would be phenomenal. Absolutely. So it sounds to me like you come down very much. We've got a couple of minutes left there. I'm just looking at the clock, but it sounds like you, you would come down more on the side of the terrain theory than, than the germs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Béchamp versus uh, uh, Pasteur, right? <laughs> the whole yeah. battle of Pasteur versus Béchamp. Béchamp definitely was right. It's the terrain. That's the whole thing. And the viruses are our friends. And, of course, the microbes are our friends, too. And we certainly see that with the gut microbiome. As I said, there's so many things that they do for us. And when they get poisoned by glyphosate, we get sick. And, in fact, that shikimate pathway that I mentioned earlier that pathway is so critical because it produces these aromatic amino acids and they are precursors for our, for many important biologically important molecules, such as all the neurotransmitters, serotonin, melatonin, the skin tanning agent, melanin, thyroid hormone, all of these things come out of that shikimate pathway, some of the B vitamins. So all of those things become deficient when our microbes are being harmed by glyphosate. And that's also part of the effect of the disease process uh, with the glyphosate exposure, that it messes up our, our gut microbes and prevents them from doing their job, supplying us with critical nutrients. Mm. And then if we get, for example, just serotonin deficiency, that's linked with obesity, that's linked with violent behavior, that's linked with depression, and all of those things are going up in our society. Mm. It could simply be a matter of serotonin deficiency because the microbes are not producing the tryptophan that's needed to make the serotonin. Yeah, there's so many levels to this. It's quite mind-blowing, really, when you start digging into it. That is that is so interesting. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to take us to a break. I'm going to have to start wrapping this up, Stephanie. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest this week is Stephanie Seneff, Senior Research Scientist at MIT. We've been breaking down the COVID situation from the point of view of glyphosate and toxicity. And we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and wrap this up. This is Truthverse. We're on Healthy Life Radio. We'll be right back after the break.
The truth and nothing but the truth, but it's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H. Truth is a new social media network that elucidates the censored information that Facebook and search engines have suppressed and don't want you to see. Created by Brendan D. Murphy, it's a platform run by truth seekers for truth seekers, a place where freedom of speech is protected as the highest value. Connect with a community of fellow truth seekers. Visit brendandmurphy.com slash truth. Truth can set you free. It's spelt T-R-O-O-T-H. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended. Delivered straight to your home or office, economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to you now. Have you heard about electrolyzed water? You know water is the foundation of life, and in these times you want to keep your immune system strong and robust. That's where electrolyzed water may help. It's hydrogen-rich with lots of antioxidants, so it may help you stay hydrated, maintain great health, and boost your energy, too. This technology is made by an industry-leading Japanese company that has been going strong for 45 years. Change your water, change your life at brendandmurphy.com slash kangen, spelt K-A-N-G-E-N. Roku is like having your own video library with over 300,000 choices. And it's the best way to get Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and so much more. There's a Roku player for every budget. So go to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on the Roku banner. You can help reset and optimize your metabolism and help turn your fat into fuel. Want something that can help you do just that in just 10 days? Then you need to try the 10-Day Ketone Challenge. It may even trigger cell repair and regeneration that may help to slow down the aging process. With the 10-Day Ketone Challenge, there's no meal planning or long-term commitments. Go to brendandmurphy.com challenge and jump right in. brendandmurphy.com challenge. Eclectic talk with a positive twist. Healthylife.net. Welcome back to Truthiverse. I'm your host, Brendan D. Murphy. We are joined by Stephanie Seneff this week, and it is time to unfortunately wrap this up with Stephanie. Where do people follow your work? What is it that you would like them to know about you or parting words or message as we leave here? Yeah, okay. I have a, a new website actually called stephaniesenef.net, which is a lot easier to remember than my MIT website, which I still have, but you can link to the MIT website from stephaniesenef.net. So there's some material there Great. that will help you get a sense of me. And I, I'm writing a book. So there's a book uh, called The Glyphosate Effect that will hopefully appear early next year if all goes well. So we're working on that right now, a book on glyphosate and get a lot of information from that. And then I'm just going to say to stay healthy. I really believe in getting out in the sunlight without sunscreen, without sunglasses, soak up that sun because the sun is a very healing resource of energy. And then um, eating an organic diet, of course, and eating highly nutritious foods, eat a lot of foods you rec recognize as plants and, and animals are just really basic foods. Don't buy soy protein bars, even if it's organic, I wouldn't recommend a soy protein bar. So you really want to eat real foods, organically grown and, and with rich micronutrients, so lots of herbs and spices and things like that. And I think if you do that, you will be healthy and you'll be safe from COVID-19. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you. That's, there's a lot of, we've gone from intricate science to common sense basics. I like that. Great way to, <laughs> to wrap it up. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for taking the time to chat to us. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have and found it as thought provoking as I have. This has been Truth Averse. 
with Brendan Murphy and our special guest, Stephanie Seneff. I will see you next week for the next show. Take care till then. Thanks for tuning in to Truthverse on HealthyLife.net Radio. I've been your host, Brendan D. Murphy. And you can find the show notes and video for this episode at Truthverse.com. For more of my work and my writing, head to BrendanDMurphy.com. And remember, my friends, that freedom begins with truth. See you next episode. Rock on.